and welcome to Point Streak, a podcast where we talk everything gaming and the issues that concern gamers. We're all members and contributors at Enthusiax.com. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Enthusiax, or check out our YouTube channel where all our video content resides, which is simply Channel Enthusiax. I am your usual host, Jeff, or Baron Fang, and today we have a big group headed by Tony. How are you, Tony? Hello. We have Hello. Vernon back in the fold. How are you, Vernon? Very good. We have Ed. Good evening. And Goose, once again, how are you? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And as I ask at the start of every show, let's hit what everyone has been playing lately. How about you, Tony? Oh, let's run down the long, long list of games I've been playing. And really, it's just been Halo 5. That's <laughs> just just hit my dailies in. Um, yeah, sadly, Trophies? <laughs> Trophies? No. Um, I... I do want to do an achievement run in that and get some of the like the collectibles, but I, I just log in, get my quick wins, and that's about it in the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Vernon? I've been playing a steady bout of Pokemon Red on my smartphone. I have an emulator that uh, that helps me do that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I think you mentioned you were working your way through one of them la- last time, so you're still enjoying the emulator thing. Oh yes, yes. It's a uh, it's it's interesting because it's a uh, it's a touch screen and it's it's not just like the regular buttons, but yeah. you know it it, it works. Mm, cool. How about you, Ed? Oh, I've been playing a lot of Deus Ex since it came out. And, yeah. Uh, I finally also played Witcher Three since I got my new PC, so I was able to uh, finally play that, belated from everyone else. Yeah, it takes a bit of a beast of a machine to play that, yeah. doesn't it? Yes. Yes, I've heard. Uh, that's why I'm not going anywhere near it until I upgrade myself. So, yeah. Good. Uh, how about you, Goose? What have you been up to? Ironically, I've also started Witcher 3 just recently and a lot of XCOM. <laughs> oh, cool. cool. Uh, well, I have uh, I've been doing another run of uh, The Last Door, which I really enjoyed the first time around and uh, really enjoying it. Uh, really excellent soundtrack if you're into that sort of thing. And uh, I – well – I uh for a game that only costs about five to ten bucks for the whole thing, uh yeah, check it out on Steam. It is uh definitely worth it. By a little group called the Game Games Kitchen. Uh also playing a little bit of Warframe. There's been an update there recently, so I'm I'm sure I'll be Warframing for at least another couple of weeks as this new content gets rolled out. Well, uh let's get to the topic at hand. This is uh this is a topic that I've wanted to do for a long time and then sort of pushed away. And then uh, Tony sort of encouraged me to look at it again. And I realized after a brief discussion in which we tried to hold back and in recreating, having to recreate the podcast in whole cloth, <laughs> if we hadn't stopped it, uh, basically uh, what we're going to be talking about today is the concept of games as art. Uh, now, I might just start this discussion by sort of explaining my hesitance about tackling this this topic. Um, basically, uh, for the for the longest time, I've kind of been on the fence about games as art and whether or not I can really consider them one way or the other. And I've realized that for myself personally, the main reason that I've been holding back on that is because of what I perceive as some of the negative consequences that could happen from that. Uh, essentially, to, to boil it down to, to, to simplest terms, uh, you call something an art, you invite criticism, which in and of itself isn't a bad thing. But the problem is with that comes wankers basically <laughs> you, you you get you not only get to see all the good sides of criticism but you also get to see the wankers for lack of a better word the people that uh that want to stick their nose in that want to uh social engineer <laughs> gaming that uh that want to um that, that, that want to tell everybody how else is the right way to enjoy it i guess is is the is the best way to put it and I, I guess over time, just about every other art form has seen that happen, and I, I really didn't, I didn't really didn't enjoy seeing that encroachment on gaming. Uh, be that as it may, um, I've sort of softened on that stance a little bit, and I realize that though the people that do that sort of thing are very much in the minority, and really, I guess what I've come to realize is that there's not as much harm in it as, as I would have thought. Uh, when you when you get down to it. It's still a multi-multi-billion-dollar industry, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, a, a, a particular prism is only one of the lenses that is, you're going to look through it at. And I think for the most part, 
people are still looking at this as as a form of entertainment and the looking at it as an art side is probably not as much harm as I would have thought originally but uh yeah that does explain a little bit of my hesitance um anyway let's get down to the subject and I might just start off with a a quick poll because I I can't claim to know exactly how you all feel about this but I might start off just with a, a quick poll um do uh do you think games can be art uh just quick yes no if there is such a thing tony do you believe that games can be art we'll we'll di- we'll dig into the detail i just kind of want to uh, get a feel for the room first yeah i'll i'll say yes i won't go you know too too far beyond that at the moment not yeah. all games i think are art but for the the most yeah. part the majority of games yes i do think are art yeah how about you vernon yes with an asterisk <laughs> <laughs> uh how about you ed i i think Pretty much what everyone has said, yes, with an asterisk, and I think that could be applied to everything, not just games, per se. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and, and we'll get into that a, a bit later. I, I I think some of the same standards that people hold other art forms to uh, can be applied helpfully uh, to to games. And uh, how about you, Goose? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for myself, uh, if you'd asked me two years ago, I probably would have given you my stock standard answer, which would have been basically something to the effect of, I think that games can contain art in much the same way that a art gallery <laughs> contains art. I've kind of softened in that over time. There's been some games I've seen in the last few years that kind of make it hard to deny that, that they, that they have. Uh, and like I said, you know, I've kind of let go of some of my, my uh, personal hang-ups on the subject. Well, look, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, one thing that I am interested to hear you all quickly comment on before we get a little more into the detail is uh, why do you think there's such – I'll start with you, Tony. Why do you think that there is such unanimity or, or is there for that matter? Do you, do you think that that would be a widely held opinion? And, and, and is, if there, is there any one thing that is sort of – that is behind that that fact? Is it just groupthink or? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, people that love games and, you know, that are enthusiastic about the, you know, the, the medium, I would think agree about that. So, um, yeah, I think it, as far as what drives people to think that, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, when you look at art and in itself, I mean, I don't know what the, you know, the Webster's, you know, definition of it is, but the Mm -hmm. way I look at it is, you know, any piece of medium or content that can be, you know, viewed in different ways by the you know the critics or the you know the people that are consuming the content or whatever it may be um so i it's it's really kind of subjective but i guess that's what art is it is subjective yeah yeah. um um as far as what i don't know it's i i have a i'll I'll get to you next vernon i have a theory as to why it's gained such widespread approval and i think it's the quest for legitimacy we, on some level, we're all doing something that is still viewed by a certain segment of the population as childish. And I think for some people, this is a way to be able to say, aha, no, it isn't. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, how do you feel? Like, I'll ask you, Vernon, the, the general question in that. Does that make any sense to you or do you think there's other uh, factors there? Or do you even believe that there would be widespread agreement on that? I do come across that where it's still viewed as uh, like a child's thing, like a child's toy or something like that. But mm. there are artistic elements um, to to video games, and there are elements where you can look at it and say, "All right, this is very artful. This is very uh, you know imaginative and everything like that." And then, and to Tony's point, Webster, Merriam-Webster's dictionary <laughs> defines art as something that is created with imagination and skill, and that is beautiful or that expresses important ideas or feelings, and to that uh, the majority of video games are um are that they fit into that definition uh, at least one part of it that. anyway yeah. exactly exactly yeah. exactly yeah they you know they fit into they yeah. fit into that and without um, without speaking for it i i think that the the more things it fits into in that definition probably the more uh artsy <laughs> it becomes but well, uh, anyway you, go on get a good example witcher 3 that we mentioned would very qualified many of these categories beautiful mm. it has strong themes and ideas you know it is beautifully made it obviously took a lot of skill to make the game so yeah. practically every aspect of that definition would be applicable to that game yeah yeah uh any any feelings on my theory about the legitimacy side of things Ed? does that speak to you at all 
I think for some people it is, but on the flip side, and I'm going to be like sort of like the other side on the argument, I think some want to classify it as art, not for necessarily noble reasons. So you have the people who want legitimacy, (laughs) make gaming past the entertainment value, but others want to call it art because then they could start, I get, here's the funny part. You could be nitpicky and what you were saying in your intro, it was social engineers. They're going to do it even if gaming wasn't considered an art, but, but by calling it art, they suddenly like elevate it, like like yeah. elevate it. But by elevating it, suddenly gives them even them more legitimacy to be. Um, it, it, it's it's hard. I'm trying to find the words for it. It's yeah. I don't want to say being whiny about it. Yeah. <laughs> but sadly, that's the only thing my brain's coming up with as a, as yeah. a term. It's just they can. They, it's like if it's considered. Also, what's weird is how many times have we heard people use the argument? You cannot criticize it on a technical level if it is art. So yeah. ironically, it's the other side. So if someone says this game is crap or we did not enjoy it or we think like something about it is disappointing, you'd be like, no, you can't criticize my art. You have to criticize it as art. Yeah. And then that sort of suddenly takes a lot of people who just play games for enjoyment are now suddenly taking away a tool of criticism because obviously I think the average Call of Duty player is not going to be talking about the aesthetics and, yeah. and the symbolism of, of the product. They'll be like, no, the, is it a good shooter? And suddenly these people have their um, sort of concerns yeah. muted. Not not to get off on a complete tangent, but I, there's an ex, there's a great quote years ago that I that I always remember that that uh, as, as far as the, uh, the it reminds me of people's intentions. Uh, Bono years ago, and uh, amazing that I should bring him him up after mentioning the word wanker several times. But uh, Bono years ago mentioned that uh, you know nobody starts a band to change the world, and I, I I've often thought well. No, nobody really gets in the gaming to change the world, but I do. Want, I do wonder sometimes whether there is a certain subset of people who, whose interest in it seems to be primarily to to want to do that, uh, as as opposed to just want to look at it from in an, from that critical angle, uh, which is you know considerably less bloodless. But sorry, go on, Goose, or whoever was about to speak there. Sorry. Well, I was just going to mention. Uh, you know, it's funny that you bring up the whole. You know, people kind of reverting back to the. You know, saying, "Oh, it is art to kind of elevate it," just because. I mean, years ago, when when I would you know primarily play Call of Duty or Halo or anything like that, and that was like the majority of what I played, I would cling to that argument, I guess, or I wouldn't cling to it, but I would say, "Oh yeah, games are art to kind of legitimize it," I guess. Mm, yeah. But now that you know. I don't know what you'd say, just because I've gotten older and wiser and more or less expanded my horizons on what games I would play. Um, it was, you know, definitely the, the games I play nowadays compared to what I would play, geez, you know, even 10 years ago. It's it's vastly different. The games I think I've played today, for the most part, yeah, I much consider art than you know your Halo or Call of Duty or something like that. Yeah. But and that's the other thing too. And I you know I don't want to go off that tangent too. But the people that primarily play Call of Duty, I don't think they're going to make that argument. I mean, they might <laughs> cling to. It just yeah. to legitimize what they do. But if you try to have a thoughtful discussion with them on it, I'm sure they're not going to be yeah. able to really defend their, that argument. I think there's a lot of people. I, I think given that the industry is many, many multi-billions of dollars, I think there's a very large subset of people out there who never really look into their <laughs> into it and, and try and justify it. They're just playing it for the for the like of, of playing it, you know? And that, that's completely fine, obviously. Yeah. Goose, uh that legitimacy question uh, mean anything to you, or is do you think it's probably something a little more personal for most people? I feel like you and Ed really hit the nail on the head with this. There are definitely two groups of people when it comes to people who think video games can be an art form, and there's the half that, like you said, want to want to legitimize it. They want to feel like they're they're doing something more than just a quote unquote childish habit. Hmm. And on the other side, you have the people who, again, like you said. They want it to be seen as art because it allows a higher form of critiquing. It allows the quote-unquote art snob, if you will, to exist in the video game arena much as it does, say, for paintings or movies or music. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we've, we've – uh, before – something? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And I, think, and I think that's what I was trying to say is that when you have the art snobs involved, as we all know, art snobs tend to then see the what we call the layman's criticism of a product or piece of art to be less valid. So like yeah. we're the worthy critics, not you. And, you know, that's I think the point I was trying to get at before. Yeah, and, and that's the sort of attitude that I wanted to flee from for years, which is why, as I've said, I've stayed away from this topic by and large. Well, let's look to some actual examples. Uh, we'll start with you, Vernon. Is there – 
if if there if there was one or maybe a, a few is there any one or a few games that sort of cemented your feelings on this that were you know you you were like yes games are art because of game x convinced me or is it really something that you've always felt or can you point to a source uh, on the on the feeling there's on the subject there's never been there's never been a thing where i'm like Oh my god, I'm in love with video games because they're so artful. Or um, you know, there's never been a game that's been like, oh my god, now I can see that there art and my eyes are opened and all this jazz. No, it's been it's been more of like you know, okay, I can see the artful elements, yeah, um, and, and things like that. But I've seen a lot of copy pasting in the in the overall uh, in overall in overall looking at uh, just you know games that I've played over the years you know a lot of copy pasting a lot of the a lot of similar similar elements um but you could say that for things that are considered yeah. quote unquote art uh, yeah. you know other things that are like you know paintings or something like that or or like a like a classical movie or something like that that there are elements that that helped spawn into other pieces of quote unquote art and it's you know, it's it's something that uh, you know we we kind of just have as like an acceptance piece. But yeah, I I I haven't really seen anything that's made me like you know weep into weep into my into my uh, into my sleeve and and be like you know this is this is just the most magnificent video game in the mm. world. I, I don't think I've ever yeah. done that. I I think on some level it might be you've been exposed to games for so long and they've been a part of your life for so for so long, part of the background almost that. You've never questioned whether they could be or not, so it's never been that profound. As you said, it's never been some profound, profound realization for you. They they were always part of entertainment and art and and contained artful things to you from day one. I think that's honestly a great point there, Jeff. Because I mean, for a while, I think everyone in this this room here can agree that we've probably been playing games since we were a kid. We had absolutely no idea of the concept of art. We were just playing it to have fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's just something we never, you know, that kind of. I don't know, mentality just carried throughout the years. And then maybe um, if I might be able to go next on, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've grown up with it, you know, and I never really looked at it like that until I've gotten older and kind of played some games that, you know, for what, you know, the story just like really hit home or something. And, and you know, it really got to me. But it, if there's one game, I think that could kind of it's not like this one game. Like, so what if, and I was like, yes, this is art. It's just more of like this is the culmination of, of a, a prime example of, I think, of why a game could be considered art. Yeah. And, if, uh, if someone else were to ask you and, and get you to point to a game, a game like this, in other words. Right. No. And that game for me uh, would be Journey. Um, and by the way, since we're recording this in early September, I just found out that actually is the free game uh, for <laughs> PS uh, Plus members. So I definitely recommend checking it out. I think yeah. Goose and I would definitely highly, highly recommend this game. Yeah, but we, we are not getting way. paid for this at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was speaking with Trippy earlier. Yeah. Now he's talking about PSN. This is all like product placement going on at this point. <laughs> right. But no, Journey is just definitely one of those games that it, you know, it's it doesn't hold your hand. There really is no narrative to it. It's really what you make of it. And that's the whole subjective side of it is, you know, even though I think Goose and I agree, you know, we have the same opinion of it. I think it's, you know, you could invite somebody from the outside to play this game. You know, maybe they has no experience with games and it's yeah. not like, you know, they'd be able to play this game and not get frustrated that they couldn't get past the first level because they're not familiar with video game mechanics or anything like that. Yes. Yeah. They'd be able to easily pick up this game, understand it for what it is, have their own subjective viewpoint on what the game is trying to get across and, you know, the themes and ideas. It's, you know, I think it's just one of those. It's a great example of why games can be art. It's just it can be viewed in so many different ways, but it's just it's unique. You know, I don't. It's kind of hard for me to to put it in the words at this point. Hopefully, yeah. you back me up on this. But yeah, that's that's the prime example. I think I would turn to. Yeah, uh, Ed, was there is there ever been a game that sort of can solidified your feelings or that that you know, like if you were if you were asked to if you were writing an essay on the subject, that would be your you know sort of number one. Uh, example that would um, qualify as a you know game that qualifies as art. It depends what you mean by solidify. As in, if I did not have the opinion and then this game suddenly made me see the light, then I would yeah. say no, because it's a gradual process. And said so we were all raised in gaming, so it's not something you think about. And by the time you realize it, you already pretty much acknowledge there are plenty of games that may have artful elements or maybe art themselves. So nothing yeah. really flipped my opinion as it were yeah however if i was to write i would actually and again i, I 
Not to sound like I just recently played it, but I would actually use Witcher 3. And as a, on purpose, as a contrast to what Anthony said, because Journey, you know, it's a very visually game. And, you know, someone claiming it's an art game, it's, it's an easy argument to be made. But when you take something like Witcher 3, it has combat, it's gory, there's sex in it, you know. This is something where someone goes like, no, this is your traditional, typical inter- piece of entertainment. And I says, but considering, like, you know, like, just the visual styles and even the story, like, the question is, can you consider a book art? And if the answer is yes, then I would say Witcher 3 also would qualify. And I said, that's why I would use it as an example, because it's the one where I say it still keeps the traditional, what people see gaming as, you know, you're running around with a sword hacking things. But would the game be considered art on its own right? And I would say yes. And that's the thing. It's not to this journey. Journey is a very beautiful artistic game, but it follows the more like, I would say, like a portrait or a painting. And I'm going like Witcher 3 is like, no, it is creating art with the medium it is by not by. uh, Again, I don't want to sound like I'm being critical of Journey because that's not my intention, but it's like it it still follows what people would still consider a game. Like the hardcore gamers who would be like, yeah, you know, Journey, that's for the artsy people going like, no, Witcher 3 is your typical traditional game. And I can still think it qualifies as a piece of art. Yeah, well, it's a good example then because, uh, you know, and we'll get into the business side of it later. It, uh, being an interactive piece of entertainment is uh, is what brings in the in the dollars and cents. Uh, Goose, was there anything that you point to as sort of like really eye-opening for yourself beyond uh, obviously Journey? I think when it comes to con- literally the concept of gaming as art, one of the main hiccups with it is that everybody, even within our own panel, everybody has their own definition of what quote-unquote art is. For example, Ed with Witcher 3, Anthony with Journey. Now, me, myself, my own cat, I only really have two ideas as to what art is. First is obviously the visual aesthetic, but the second is one that actually makes me sit and think when the game is over. It mm. actually stays with me. And for me, the first game that I actually sat down and actually thought about it when I was done as opposed to just saying, oh, next game, was actually Shadow of the Colossus back mm. in the day. Mm. Because not only was it visually a very artistic representation, but it also made you think. Yeah. I, um, as I said at, at the start, I, I'd kind of been resisting um, this this subject for a long time. So, that, but I, so I'll credit a few games that I've played over the last few years that were sort of uh, I don't know, worn me down isn't exactly the right word, but they, they definitely uh, made me rethink things. Can, uh, I, I, can I say something quickly? Yeah, yeah sure. I would, say, I would say I actually agree with Goose a lot, and this is, this is actually the reason why I did mention Witcher 3, because to be fair, I've already been exposed to such themes, so I wouldn't say like it suddenly made me new revelations, but it is a game that made me think about certain issues. And technically, even Deus Ex, like the new one, that has, you know, it does have a lot of themes that are extremely pertinent to modern society. And it, it does make you think because the whole concept of why I think literature is art, because literature is, creates allegories, which explores themes that might be a little too touchy with the real world examples. And, yeah. and I think this is something gaming can do with their fictional universes. Yeah. So yes, I agree with Goose. I was just saying, mm-hmm. I, I really like endorse what he said. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no worries. So in particular, um, I would, and these are, these are all games that are kind of somber in a way. So I don't, I don't know if that says anything about me, but, uh, definitely the cat lady, deadlight, uh, the long dark, even though I've only been exposed to it sort of at arm's length and also brothers, uh, those, those four games in particular, I, I would sort of say, I, I finally sort of stopped resisting, uh, seeing what I basically already knew. Um, well, you know, it's, and the other thing too is that with Goose saying, you know, it's different on what people consider their actual definition of art or what they view as art. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're asking of a game, you know, when you were asking earlier of a game that you think encapsulates art as a whole, yeah, I think Journey does. But, the, and I think, you know, to, to Ed's point, like, there are other aspects of games themselves that make you, you know, that I think can be considered art, especially the whole, like Goose was saying, making you think. Like actually the original Deus Ex game, like I remember getting to that ending and, Having mm. to sit back and really thinking, like, you know, yeah, it's just a game, and it doesn't really, you know, in the in real life, does really matter what choice I'm going to make in this game. It doesn't, but it's still like just in the the concept of this digital world. What, you know, and the funny thing is, is all it does is it ends. You get a little bit of a different cutscene, but it makes you like. I think that game did such a good job of um, presenting you with enough kind of evidence of what would happen based on that choice. Like it really, you know, it. I really had to sit down and think about it, and it I think that's, I think that's a good sign of a. A, you know, a game is is an art form is if it really makes you think. Yeah. It's not just mindlessly mashing a button, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that sort of segues nicely into the nice uh, next question I was going to ask is, 
what do we see as the most important aspects that that sort of uh, that, that that bring art to to a game? Um, vi- visual, story, music, or sort of a combination of the three? Tony, obviously, to you, the the, the story and the themes in that particular game were certainly central. <laughs> Uh, how how much how much does the vi- the visual and or is it a, a holistic thing for you where it's it's a combination of everything that that sort well, of has to click? That's that's honestly a good question because to be the funny thing is is like visuals like yeah I love a, a great looking game but that's for me personally like I I really could care less about that as far as it being being considered art I, I like to place more emphasis on yeah the themes ideas narrative if there is one yeah um, yeah but yeah it's more of it, I mean, even if there's only one aspect of the game, um, you know, whether it be visual, narrative, whatever, even if it's just that one aspect that stands out and there yeah. really is, like, it looks terrible visually, the sound design isn't great, but even if there's that one aspect of it, just the narrative again, the theme or something yeah. like that, I personally would still consider it art. I yeah. don't think it has to meet every single criteria of visuals, yeah. uh, you know, sound. I, I, I'm with you there. And, and I think it varies by the game. Like for example, Transistor, imagine Transistor without the amazing music. How important, how central is that to the experience? It's a huge part of that yeah, game in particular. Absolutely. Um, how about you, Vernon? Is it, is it for you sort of the, the combination of, of the three or, or is there, are you more a story guy? What, what is it that's largely, um, has you thinking about the art and games? Well, the 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 art style of the game yes um that's, the uh that's great. yeah <laughs> the, the the story and just you know i guess i guess you guys made a good point about you know having it make you think towards the end of it but um not many games have done that for me and i can't really think of one that has oh you know what i lied um assassin's creed 2 um mm. that's the one in recent memory and when recent when i say recent memory all of my life that has made me go holy crap um and i was very very like just confused but in a good way of just like i I really want to know more because this is like the this is like a massive cliffhanger um uh, of an ending and if you've if if anybody who's listening has played assassin's creed 2 you know what i'm talking about yeah Uh, i don't want to spoil anything for anybody but yeah so you know, I think that uh, I think that that comes into play. But when I think about art style and I think about story, um, I think about Batman Arkham Asylum, um, mm. because if there was anything that even if it wasn't originally a comic, if it was just an original story, which I believe Arkham Asylum is, it's not based on a comic or anything like that. As far as I know, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it felt like it took the best elements of an already established comic and then just brought it to a video game. Yeah. And like, you know, the story was awesome. The, the art style was awesome. It really felt like I was playing something straight out of the animated series. Yeah. Great performances and voice acting there too. Another element that really put that game over the top oh, yeah. in terms of right. the experience. Yeah. And if I might interject too, uh, yeah, Assassin's Creed two, that final boss fight was probably one of my fav- favorite boss fights of all time, not mechanically or anything like that. Just the, the voiceover work that's being done by the, you know, the, the boss that you're fighting. Yeah. Like it, the social commentary it has on religion. I like that floored me. Like I was having more fun listening to what this guy was saying than actually, you know, engaging in the fight itself. So just want yeah. to, yeah. if I remember correctly, like he really didn't like believe and anything like he was just after what he was after, pretty much. Well, am, am I? Is that right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, without diving too much on, on this one particular game or this boss fight, yeah, he was just going off on how religion is. Well, you know, it's religion is false, but they're leading people down this this road just so yeah he can come into power. But it was just I don't know. Um, I don't. It was entertaining more mm-hmm. than anything just to listen to you know the the Pope essentially calling religion fake. And I mean, it was, it was just really amusing to play, but just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. Is there any, uh, any aspect that's central for you in, in terms of, uh, art, uh, Ed, as far, as far as games are concerned, or is, well, is it really the total experience? I mean, the Witcher obviously is one of those total experience games, I think you'd say. Yes. Uh, I think total experience, probably the short answer is yeah, the total experience is what makes art. And obviously 
you can have something be artful while missing a component. So if let's say the music is not that important to the game and it doesn't really hinder, so that's the important part, doesn't actually hinder either, then maybe through visuals and story it achieves a form of art. Also, I think what's important to distinguish, and I think uh, Vernon has touched it, when he said when it comes to visual, it's actually visual style or visual flair that's more important. Uh, just so people know, it's not like, oh, not because a game has like high graphics bit mapping, it makes it art. No, it's yeah. it's the style. A game, a game could have 16-bit graphics, but if they're gorgeously designed and gorgeously illustrated, that can be obviously a sign of art. Yeah. Um, not just quality. It's not just the visual fidelity or quality that's important. It's the style and the expression. And I think ultimately, when we talk about the holistic approach, is that does it invoke? I think that's the important part of what makes something artful is does it invoke something? And does yeah. is the visual or the music or the story or yeah. or something like, for example, when people were talking about Assassin's Creed for me, oddly enough, it's Remember Me and the boss fight for Remember Me. You know, it was an average game, to be fair. You know, it looked good, though. But I did like the fact that the story, what it explored, the themes it explored were actually really interesting. Like, mm. what are memories? And what, you know, what are we? Like, are we the sum of our memories? So it really explored that theme and the sort of tragedy of the... Obviously, I don't want to spoil it, but the tragedy, the tragic nature of who the villain is. And I, actually, like, this was like... It's, it's rare in a game, and I generally tell people, never try to make the villain sympathetic or the last boss sympathetic because he's the... He, he's, he, they usually cross the event horizon and no one cares about them. <laughs> but I'm saying this was a case where you actually feel bad for the villain. And it's actually in the story. The way the villain talks to you, the way the character responds to the villain. And the, it's at the end, the villain is not even the villain. That's the irony of it. The last boss isn't even the villain. The villain is is a no spoiler, so I don't want to say, but <laughs> it's just... It w I found it was a very interesting exploration of the theme of what makes us human based on our ex like what is like what may what makes us human or who we are based on our memories and mm. I think it explored that theme quite well and the tragedy of what the story was presenting it explored like I kind of called what the ending would be and that's what made it so good is I still called it but just before I got there and even when it was revealed I called it it was satisfying it wasn't like oh I this was easy to guess it was like mm. it was a perfect culmination of that revelation and affirmation of your revelation yeah. and I said the invocation I think that's what ultimately makes an experience you know artful for lack of a better term yeah so there's something that's uh, really key for you goose uh, when when you you know when you've walked away from a game believing that it's you know art to you I feel to me that the most important thing when it comes to any game that is quote-unquote art is obviously the visual style. Now, like you guys were saying, it doesn't necessarily mean like 4K graphics or whatever the best is nowadays. It means that, for example, the Telltale Walking Dead game. That was something visually styled, very cel-shaded, very stylized, but it was done in such a way that, first of all, it will age very well, Mm -hmm. But secondly, it had its own look, it had its own style, which set it apart from every other game coming out that year. But I feel like, like Ed said, one of the major things about it is that it has to not necessarily just make you think, but it has to almost, I don't want to get sentimental here, but it almost has to make you feel in order to, in my opinion at least, to really catapult it into the art category. Because to me, using another example, for example... You can find pictures of flowers in pretty much every barbershop in the world, but not all of them are going to be Monet quality. Yeah. It's the same thing with video games. There can be eight – you could shout out 800 different games about swords and shields and what have you, but it's the people who actually take the time, put themselves into it, put in the actual effort that can end up bringing out a game, to use Ed's example, like Witcher 3, mm. to bring out a game like – to use Tony's example, Journey, to to really not just make a quote unquote game, but actually try to make something worthwhile. Yeah. Hmm. So um, obviously, uh, if, if 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 games are art, that sort of as we as we mentioned earlier, um, that invites criticism. And I'm talking about criticism in the non-value judgment way, just the concept of criticism in general. That that you know, art criticism. We'll just call it art criticism if we're going to call it uh, criticism of games. It is one and the same, I think. Um, is there uh, – Tony, you mentioned uh, I, what I think is a good example of this. I'm, I'm looking for some good outcomes from it, uh, you know, if only to uh, if only to ease my own fears, if nothing else. Uh, you, you mentioned a very good point earlier uh, that bro broadening one's horizons 
I suppose of, of what you're going to play might be might be considered a, a good outcome uh, of, of game criticism. I mean, a, a person who only ever played Call of Duty or or Halo type games, seeing uh, their repertoire expanded, um, I, I I think those sorts of games that are that are eye opening and that only really come out of uh, that that sort of criticism is is there some any any other positives that you might be able to point to though as far as broadening your horizon so to speak no i, I as far as uh no every everyone looking at games from a an art sort of an art sort of criticism angle other other than you know people being able to you know potentially experience types of games they might not otherwise have looked at uh do you see any other positive outcomes from that um yeah i think but in I mean, yeah, I, I think there are, um, but if I might jump to something else, I'm not sure if this is necessarily what you're alluding to as far mm-hmm. as criticism. Like, it's I, I think you're looking more to an internal internal criticism within us. Well, uh, I'm al- I'm also considering, and this is the direction I was going to turn with Vernon, uh, if, as far as ju- the ju- journalism side of it, things like how games are reviewed, uh, you know, how how people talk about them and and rate them, that sort of thing as well. Right. Well, I mean, that's the the thing with games is that. And not to say that it's easy to review game, or I'm sorry, to review music, um, you know, movies, uh, books, or anything like that. With you know your your classical art forms, I guess you could say. I mean, you know, with a lot of games, there's a, a sense of skill almost that you need to play these games. Again, that's why I brought up Journey. Is you know, I think it's you could bring in someone who's never touched the game in their life, and you can kind of sit them down, and they could play around with it, you know, very quickly. I think and get the gist of the game. Mm. But if you were to throw somebody who's never touched the game before and threw them in front of you know, I don't Mass Effect, Halo, or you know, one of those kind of more complicated games. I guess you could say. Yeah. They they wouldn't even be able to get pat. You know, they how would they be able to to criticize the game if they can't even you know actually play it? Play you know? it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that's why I'm saying like it's it's not easy to review games, movies, or books, but really with all those, those are passive mediums that you know. May I, you're, may, I, may I add something? So, may I add something? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You're completely right, but here's the funny part, and I think this is what people seem to forget. Because, like, you need a certain skill level to play games, especially, like, the hardcore ones. So, obviously, you know, it's ours for people who don't have that skill level to criticize it. But here's the funny thing. This is true of any form of art. Like, yes, we can all criticize the Mona Lisa, but if you don't know the basics of painting structures or you don't know, like, symbolism of Renaissance painting, then your criticism to someone who's, like, more, let's say, well-versed in these fields might come off a little tepid or irrelevant. So... Everything requires skill. And I'm not saying you have to be a professional painter to be able to paint, obviously. And no one made that suggestion. The whole, like, you have to be a game designer to criticize games. That's like a crock of, you know, censored bit here, beep, beep, beep. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is that you still need a certain level of expertise. In case of gaming, you have to be able to play a game. In a case yeah. of criticizing paintings, you have to understand, at least understand paintings. And even books. You have to be able to read books and not just the English language, but the ability to understand literary tools and literary symbols, or else yeah. the story's just going to shoot over your head. Yeah, right. Well, uh, Vernon, the, the question I, I was going to turn on t- to yourself is: um, it, w- if we're talking about if we're talking about reviews of games, do you think there's any benefit to the end consumer in in this artistic angle? Is it is it going to open people up to being interested in games they might not otherwise be interested in is it of any value to yourself personally when you're reading reviews that they that those sorts of aspects are brought up or is it still as it is for you for a lot of people more a um a technical (laughs) review or or do you actually appreciate those aspects being covered i mean Covered in the sense that they're this person's opinion on what they felt the game was about um, and, you know, how they how they enjoy the game or whether they didn't enjoy the game. That's totally up to that person. It's totally subjective. Um, When we look at reviews and everything like that, some people take them to heart, especially when you look at the Game Informer magazine, um, because, you know, there you got to you got to understand Game Informer is owned by GameStop now. Um, So, yeah, of course, they're going to give 8.9s to the games that maybe they find are great, but that they really want to sell. Um, and we all know my experience with GameStop. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, you know, this is how you feel about the game, but maybe I like the look of it. And maybe if there's a demo or if I can borrow it from a friend, I can get to see what it's, what it's like. And maybe I'll enjoy what I play. But if after, 
if after, you know, you read a review and you're just like, well, I'm not going to play this because it, it looks really crappy. Well, yeah. that's really not kind of that that's not conducive to like making up your own mind about it. Um, and I, I feel like that's important when looking at reviews, they're just opinions. And I, I feel like they don't really help if you look at them as fact. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I guess, I guess from a certain point of view, whether or not they're purely technical or purely artistic or some mixture of, of the two, they're still so subjective that their value to you is questionable anyway. At least in your opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got a point there. Sorry, what are you saying, Tony? Oh, well, you know, maybe uh, this is kind of going down another path. But, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Vernon. You know, reviews are one person's opinions. But then you hear, you know, the the negative side of gaming where there's death threats over a review and there's, you know, I don't agree with you. You have to take this review down. It's I like I cringe when I see this stuff because it's it's so it's infuriating as a as someone who loves the medium to see people going out. And just, you know, completely destroying someone over a review. It's like, yeah, I, I might not agree with, like, I might have played a game and still looked up a review and said, okay, yeah, you didn't like that aspect that I really love, but at least you explained why you didn't like it. And, you know, so be it. You know, I'm not gonna, uh, yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I you know, that's your point of view. I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm not gonna get all defensive about it. But that's probably, that's a, a, a topic for another point streak. Probably. I do wonder though, did, did that, was that born out of games being, seen as art did that no. exist before that <laughs> I no wonder. i i i think it's just i don't think it has to do with anything as i mentioned earlier people who are going to be i guess whiny while reviewing and there are bad reviewers and again my that's my opinion someone my bad reviewer might be someone's godsend of a good reviewer uh but the thing is is people i find whiny would have been whiny even if gaming wasn't considered an art form yeah and as for the vitriolic behavior i think that's just the nature of some people say like internet plus anonymity, but I think it's just I, I, like as I said, it could be. It's not even just a topic for another point streak. It could be a thesis paper for a psychologist. <laughs> uh, like why Probably, do people right? why do people express such vitriol because they disagreeing with someone on the internet? I mean, first of all, like who's this other person? Do they even matter to your life? Not to belittle them, but like so, I read a review I don't agree with. I think the guy's an idiot. Fine, but. Does that require me to be vitriolic? Not at all. Same thing if I write a review, someone disagrees with my review. Yeah, you know, I might be the dumbest person on the planet for not understanding the beautiful game I took a, you know, dump on. But does that, should that trigger a vitriolic response? Mm. Probably not. But people still do it. And as I said, it's, I think it has nothing to do with gaming being an art. I think it just has to do with people like being dickheads on the internet. And the faster we learn to accept that, the faster you could probably move past it. Yeah. You know? Not be surprised by but, it. Yeah. Get out of the kitty. I do feel like that hinders, you know, the whole games is our art argument, which kind of honestly upsets me, but, uh, but I don't know how you get beyond that, to be honest with you. Well, trust me, I'm pretty sure if people were discussing the Mona Lisa on the internet, it'd probably be getting the same kind of trash talk and death threats happening. Well, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think this is probably a whole nother topic. So I don't know, Jeff, if you want to take this one well, down. But... I, I think Ed's ultimately right. I, 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 I sometimes listen to classical music on YouTube and I look at the comments and I see stuff every bit as bad as what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. I'd love to welcome more outside criticism. Um, but again, the, the point I, I guess I was trying to get at was games, you know, I feel like they're, and I, I mean, I get Ed's point. Yeah. You, you enable to, to be able to review something, you should have some kind of not expertise necessarily, but some familiarity with yeah. whatever it is you're reviewing. But I feel like just, Games can be kind of so off-putting to a lot of people that it's it's kind of hard to invite more outside criticism. I'm all for it. Um, it's it's just that skill barrier I think that kind of makes it more difficult for games to be uh, reviewed, you know, by outside criticism. Yeah, Goose, a uh, sort of a special side question for yourself as as someone who's a content maker that that often includes reviews. Uh, do you do you ever really consider the art angle? When you, when you're doing a review, or is it really a case by case? I mean, if 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 you're playing the uh, the new Pac-Man collection, you're probably limiting thoughts on the uh, aesthetic <laughs> side of things. But is it is it something that that does occasionally, you know, come up when you're framing a, a review, video content or otherwise? I feel like, and I've I've said this many times, but reviews are definitely like Ed said, it's one person's opinion. Mm. So the same thing is true when you're looking at the artistic side of any particular game. 
Example, I may think game A is a work of art. Someone else may look at it and say this is tripe. The difference, I feel like, in reviews is there's a difference between giving your opinion on a, on a thing and downputting someone else's opinion. Mm. When it comes to the art category, one that you hear a lot, not necessarily just in video games, but in across the spectrum, is if someone criticizes it, the answer will be, oh, well, you just didn't understand it. This is done way too often, and I feel like that this is again this is not ex- this is not excusing the horrific behavior we've seen, but I feel like that sometimes that vitriol comes as a gut response to someone being angry over what they've heard. Now, granted, assholes on the internet are assholes on the internet. There's no excusing that. Yeah. But I feel like, for example, if you've done a good job, you've actually looked at a game, given it a fair shake, and given your opinion. I feel like you should be proud, stand for what you thought. But I feel like if you're just out there, basically, for lack of a better word, trashing something just to have something to do, you're not necessarily doing a review, you're more giving a riff. And I've always considered them to be two separate categories. Hmm. I've, been, I've tried for, at least in all the reviews I've done personally, I've always tried to look at it not just from what I think, but from what I think generally people will think. Not trying to necessarily put myself in everyone's head, but trying to give it a fair shot. Like if I don't like something in particular, trying to see the bright side of it, the silver lining, if you will. Yeah. Get out of my head, Goose. (laughs) (laughs) I interjected what Goose was saying. No, I fully agree. Is that I think when you're – if someone's – and this is, again, my opinion, but if someone's trying to do a good review, they should try to at least walk a bit in someone else's shoe. Obviously, it's not going to change your opinion of the game, but at least understand like saying, I didn't like this feature, but I can see this might appeal to these kind of people. Or you'd be like, I really enjoyed this, but I have a feeling people who are into these kind of games might find this feature, you know – frustrating and that that's fine obviously I said you cannot get into everyone's head perfectly but it's good to explore it from another perspective yeah and i think the second point i think goose made which was his first point which i think is true is that i think there's a difference between someone who's honestly trying to review a game honestly versus someone who just wants to riff and the the what i consider riffing is when generally the person is not just trying to take a dump on the game it's trying to also take a dump on those who enjoy this game and I'm going yeah. like, no, you're supposed to criticize the art piece, not the guy standing in front of it saying, I like it. Uh, that's where I think you cross too far as a reviewer. You're not you're reviewing the game, not the fan base of the game. Yeah, that's right. You're reviewing, yeah, you're reviewing the game. But, you know, and yeah, you should, you know, again, like Goose was saying, you should absolutely stand by your opinion. But that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, meet with like minded people like we do and discuss a game. Yeah. And, you know, I love talking with games about and I'm like, you know what? I really didn't like the story of this game, but I'll be honest, maybe it's because I didn't understand what what the hell they were trying to convey and then have this discussion. And it's like, oh, I never viewed it from that viewpoint. Now I actually enjoy the story a little bit more. That's not necessarily somebody forcing their opinion on you. It's just them. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's not what I was stressing. I was stressing someone saying in a review, like, people who play this game are basically sociopaths, like, where someone's doing a moral value judgment on the fan base based on your opinion of the game. That's where I consider, yeah, that's that's where I consider the reviewer might go a little too far in his opinionation. Yeah. So, so games are obviously big business. Um, how do do we see any discomfort between business and art coexisting i mean obviously it's had to it, it it's had to uh evolve in you know all these other mediums that are out there from fine art music movies everything else uh, that has been considered an art along the way uh vernon you you know you were talking about the business world <laughs> there in the context of uh of, of gamestop um do, do you see uh, uh, any difficulty in those two things coexisting, or is 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 it is it an actual impediment uh, to to good art? Is is the business side of games an impediment to good art? I guess is what I'm I'm trying to say, or is it, uh, or is it always going to be something that's complementary? I mean, you've got video games that come out every year with sequels upon sequels. Um, and remakes and things like that it's just like movies it, it becomes a it's it becomes Im- a thing that's like you know it's you, an impediment to creativity in some ways isn't it <laughs> yeah like you know you get these you get these things that are i don't know made to be sold i mean people activision is working on a quote-unquote call of duty slash halo killer right now um if that's to be believed so it, it's it's the it's the competition aspect it's not about making games 
or I'm sorry, needing money to make games. It's making games to make money. Yeah. Activision wants to kill off one of its own franchises. <laughs> they want to kill oh my off. god! Oh my god! Halo, Halo Killer. Sorry. <laughs> oh, like, okay, that makes a bit more sense. <laughs> I had to think about that for a second. Thank you for correcting me there. They want to burn it all to the ground. Um, how, how about you, Tony? I mean, you, you've obviously, uh, you know, you've mentioned a few times that your repertoire has changed. You're obviously playing a lot more indie games, a lot more variety of genres. Uh, you know, you're probably spending more <laughs> on gaming than you ever had in the past too. In in some ways, do do you see uh, any you know discomfort in the in these two concepts coexisting, or or are they just sort of strange bedfellows? Oh, absolutely. I you know, I mean, like the one example. Well, I shouldn't say the one example, but yeah, I think it it definitely does hinder in a, in a sense. Um, one being that in it that it holds back from art forms. Well, this might be a little off topic necessarily but you know like you see like all these games pop up on steam or even these mobile games that are trying to be like minecraft and there's you can find hundreds of them that are yeah. trying exact same things that are just low quality yeah. you know asset flip games that yeah. which is about as out. far from art as is i think we've got on this podcast right. so, yet. yeah I mean, that's, that's that's one example i'd point to but then you you know you hear these stories of uh developers taken to like reddit to doing these amas or these you know Review saying of how much that you know the you know the publisher would come in and say no we're not you know, we don't have time to do that you know or we don't you know we can't do that I mean even you know hell one of my favorite franchises Halo you know that game the second game got cut dramatically mm-hmm. and I think there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, you know talk that you know that you know Microsoft came in and said no you know we need to we need to ship this game now you have to cut all this content you want to put in there yeah um even yeah even the other big one that i was actually just listening to a story on the other day was uh you know halo wars that was completely that was its own game that had nothing to do with halo but then microsoft i think bought the studio and said slap halo on this and now it's that i mean that's that's a slap i feel like that's a slap in the face to creative development i mean yeah the mechanics and everything are probably were probably still the same but now you have to put a new art style on it what if they had their own unique art you know form that they were going to put on this game but now it's make it something else mm-hmm. i mean yeah i definitely think business can can you know hinder that at the same time i do think it can help yeah. um, I think there's a lot of games that w- wouldn't be made without you know backing of a big publisher or something like that but yep. at the same time it's how much then the, but then you're inviting their control into it yep. um, and handing over more more control to outside parties i guess uh, by by default yeah right well, Ed, it's interesting you you mentioned Remember Me earlier because that sort of speaks to this point. It's a good example of a game where the the executives were kind of sticking their nose in on the I believe it was the protagonist in this case that they yes. were wary about. Like, I think, yeah, I think how often is that women, happening out there? I think what I understand they were okay with her being female, but there was supposed to be like a not a love interest or if it was a love interest, I don't know the exact details, but it was supposed to be like a, like a kiss with a uh, another NPC. And they felt that oh, they were like, okay, you know what? We're okay with the female, you know, Laura Croft. I mean, it's not like nothing new here. But they're going like, yeah, but if the female protagonist kisses a male character, won't that make guys feel awkward? Since they're like, and they were saying like, we don't want that scene in the game. And they asked them to remove it, which I thought was completely ridiculous because if I see a heterosexual female kissing a man in a game, I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, but I'm playing this character. Ah! Yeah, yeah. Who the hell were these executives? Like, what, <laughs> what kind of logic were they using? How often do you think that too. sort of thing's happening? I feel like that happens wonder. a lot. I feel like that happens a lot where they're like, you know, we have a female protagonist and we want them to have a relationship, uh, but they feel like a lot of the a lot of game players are male. Which I mean, there have been statistics out there that show yeah. that that's not the case. That the majority yeah. of game players are women, actually. Um, but like. You know, you you've got you've got a like Laura Croft or the character from Remember Me or even Ellie from The Last of Us who like they had to fight to get her on the front of the box. Um, just just artwork like they, yeah. they, they had yeah. to fight to get her in the artwork and like in front of the male character like that's that's quote unquote unheard of. But with Remember Me, it was like they were they had a at, at first they did have a problem with the female character um, and then. After they had gotten over that issue, it was, okay, we want this person to have a relationship, which inherently there's nothing wrong with that. You wouldn't bat an eye at it. But yeah, so with that, uh, you know, you wouldn't even think about it or have a problem with it. But then they were like, well, males are going to be playing this and they're not going to want this female character kissing a man. They're, I guess they're going to be wanting this woman 
kissing a woman. I I I don't get how it works either way because <laughs> you're you're not going to win over a, a demographic based on who the what's, main character kisses. Well, what, yeah. What's so funny also too, and what's also funny, well, obviously with the demographics, obviously people will go like, yeah, there's a lot of female gamers, but then someone goes like, yeah, but for this genre, there's more male gamers. But I find that these sort of like splitting defense is irrelevant because people who play the game, it has been shown at least in some studies, and actually these were people who were trying to prove that the opposite, so the fact that they admit to this is interesting, is that when you're gaming, you don't see the character as your proxy. It's your proxy in the game, but it's not your proxy in the story. So, yes, I, I don't think I'm like, I'm not like, oh, my God, I'm playing a girl now. I suddenly feel weird about myself. Yeah. No, I don't, because I see it as a separate character. Even if I control every single one of her actions, I'm still divorced from the character. And, and this is like pretty much ubiquitous amongst most gamers. They don't identify as their character as being an extension of themselves, never did. And therefore, yes, it is safe to have, you know, the character kiss a male character. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to phase gamers. Yeah, Somewhere they're overthinking the place, it. <laughs> they're overthinking well, it. But what's funny is both sides of the argument fall into the trap. The people who want to meddle think that the player is too invested in the character, and oddly those who are making too much social engineering and social critiquing of games also seem to make that assumption that people associate too much into their character. Look, I, I don't play a game to see myself in the game. I play a game to get away from myself. If I want to see myself, I open the front door, I walk out on the street, and I play the greatest MMO ever created called Real Life. It kind of sucks, though, sadly. <laughs> well, I mean, but so you don't graphics, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but for you, you have a character creator. You know, your your Skyrims, your Mass Effects, or whatever you may have. I mean, I feel, I'm sure you feel maybe a little bit different, but yeah, I still understand the point that yeah, you you might. I, I don't know about you guys. Like when I play those games, I do try to make myself into that character and try to make it look like him. Yeah, that wise and all that. But still, I understand that, like you said, you're it, you're still a proxy for the game. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know. How do you well, feel I'll give about an that? Example. No, I, I do agree. When you do create your own character, there might be a stronger connection, but there is still a separation. Example, when you made your shepherd, use Mass Effect, I made my shepherd. My shepherd was an asshole. He did things I would never do in real life. He actually did things that if I had a choice, I would shoot my own shepherd. I'll be like, you're a freaking war criminal. I'll put a bullet <laughs> to his head, right? And this is the character I created, right? So again, but why? Because I want to enjoy the story that way. It does not reflect how I act in real life, nor did I agree with the actions of my shepherd. And I actually had the choice to make Shepard act in a way I would agree with, but I didn't. Uh, some people do. Some people do. And that's fine. Like, again, but that's what I'm saying is that even if you make the character perfectly like yourself and you play him like you would, I still think you understand that this is not an extension of yourself, just a maybe at best a projection of yourself in an alternative reality. Yeah, you know. Well, what does that say about yeah. me then? Is that what does that say about me? Who like with the with RPGs in terms of like you know making them if, in terms of what we're talking about is art and everything like that. You know, you make it what you want it to be, and we're projecting and yeah. things like that. And and uh, so when I play RPGs, especially like Mass Effect, Elder Scrolls, things like that. I create a woman the majority of the time um, because, like, the the one thing that I find is that there is nothing sexier than a woman blowing shit up. Um, so <laughs> with that, uh, I'll give you an example. You know, to get you an idea, I've already you know. enjoy this. My, my shepherd was based off of uh, Wesley Snipes' character in Demolition Man. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> well done. Um, At so, least in yeah, just to show that. Un unfrozen to thing, save that, you know. unfrozen from the year 1999 to save the galaxy 200 years later <laughs> maybe we should let it go <laughs> well uh well goose uh, i never thought i'd bust out the word uh, words artistic integrity on a uh, a point streak least of all with you but uh, do you do you ever feel like in, in this, this example of uh remember me being a particularly egregious one do you ever feel that the business side is compromising artistic in integrity or just is it an, an awkward relationship that has to stand because obviously it is a business i have that whole second i didn't actually answer that question oh i'm sorry yes because I, I, I was actually the one who's going to argue the other side of it ironically despite i agree with like, what i mentioned with remember me i think that you gotta think this again to use like historical example michelangelo leonardo da vinci brilliant artists for their uh, art form 
they were paid by merchant princes. Their arts only existed because wealthy Italian princes were trying to outdo each other and they were paying these people. So yeah. <laughs> this concept of business interfering with art is not like a 20th century kind of thing. This is this is as old as, you know, the first talented man tried to paint a cathedral and a really rich Italian was behind him. Um, but the thing is, is I think um, Anthony was the one who said it. It can also help because a lot of projects would never get off the ground without their funding. And to be devil's advocate is that sometimes I understand why a company would interfere. Like in the case of Remember Me, that's a good example where the company is being pedantic and stupid. Yeah. But at other times, for example, if I'm if I'm funding, if I'm paying you like millions of dollars to produce something and then you're running around the office in a tutu, I, I I, as an investor, do have a right to be like, okay, 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 dude, like, what the hell are you doing here? So sometimes publisher intervention is not, and so actually there are cases where the publisher intervention is what saved the game. Mm. Sadly, I can't come up with any examples, and I do apologize, but I've heard, at least I've heard of cases where the developers were yucking it up and the publisher had to crack the whip, and it actually at least released a half-decent product. So. Mm. So it's, it's, it's not to vilify the investors. Yes, investors can be dicks. Remember me, good example. But they sometimes can be what allowed it to exist and even maybe saved it from an overly creative developer who lacked focus. Yeah, or an ability to get it delivered. Uh, how about you, Goose? How do you feel? Even before I was an enthusiast, I've had a theory running to my head. I call it the Star Wars theory. And it goes like this. <laughs> the original Star Wars didn't have quote-unquote corporate backing, didn't have a whole lot of people rooting for it. It was really just one person fighting through with a crew trying to make something happen. Yeah. From that, a lot, I mean, if you think about all the sci-fi that came out afterwards, the same thing goes when there's an excellent game that's made. For example, using Arkham Asylum. How many quote-unquote Arkham clones did we see the next few years from that? Mm. And that what that is, that the business model will take something that works, example, an art form, mm. and will then take it and regurgitate it at least a couple dozen times yeah. until they've quote-unquote bled the market dry. Going back to my Star Wars example, years and years later, we see that same product, that same person, now influenced with much, much money, and what did we get? The Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. So don't. So just because you have a good idea, just because you have that quote artistic drive, it doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to hit it out of the park. But I feel like the business aspect it takes a little bit of the originality out of it, mm. and it's very rare these days to see something that actually makes me stop and say, "Wow, that's a really interesting original idea." Yeah. Now that's not to say I don't see good ideas. But I don't see ideas often that makes me think I haven't seen anything quite like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, that's that cookie cutter regurgitated here's the thing that Tony part. was talking about earlier. But here's the thing. I don't think, again, business can have been as good as that. I think it's boon and benefit. And honestly, I'll be like the odd man out. I think it's more boon than flaw because how much of these things would not even exist without the financing. However, what I think is the reason why we have so much repetition is not just businesses copycatting, and that does happen, is that let's be honest, original creativity is hard. Even if you have a million dollars or you're doing it from a shoestring budget, creativity yeah. is, is super hard. So you would release the amazing product and then, as I said, then people are going to try to copy it. And I'm pretty sure this happened all the time. But sadly, as I said, it's it's. Not, I don't think it's because you know EA or Activision is paying people, and that's what's stifling creativity. It's just that we're expecting more creativity than is actually theoretically possible. Yeah. And again, it doesn't mean we think. can't criticize. Exactly, it's harder than we think. It doesn't mean we can't criticize because you know it doesn't mean we can't expect more or we could have high aspirations, but. We cannot be surprised that it doesn't like. We can't be surprised we're not given a golden apple every single time. Like that's yeah. that's actually expected. Uh, and and after avoiding all those Assassin's Creed spoilers, suddenly golden apple gets thrown at. Thank you, thank you, Ed. So <laughs> we had to hey, get to you're it. The one who connected. You're the one. You're <laughs> at the least one I didn't say it. it. Yeah, you connected it. I was saying it out of context. Therefore, you're the one spoiling. <laughs> I'll, I'll own that. Uh, any la uh, before we sign off, any last minute games that are worthy of uh, of mention? Just uh, in the games as art sphere, uh, is there a title that we haven't covered that's just worth being named uh, that any of you can think of? Well, I wanted to actually kind of take a different approach to that because, as I said at the top, like, I don't think all games are art. Obviously, right. you know, like the Minecraft clones and all that crap. Even Minecraft itself, I wouldn't consider art. 
I think what people can create in Minecraft, oh, yeah. you know, the, the structures and everything can be considered art, but the game itself, I, I don't consider that personally art. Um, so, I, so I just wanted to bring that up again, that I don't think that every single game is art, even if it has artistic elements yeah, I, in it within it. I don't. I agree with you fully. And even a good game that's really good does not automatically make it art either. Yeah. I think it's something to us, as you said before, Ed, it's something uh, to aspire to Uh, a a level to hit, I guess. I I don't know. Certain number of criteria that have to be met to kind of get there, at least for me personally. Well, um, thanks guys. I I appreciate uh, the contribution. I knew this one would be, be, uh, a passionate one <laughs> we uh probably overdue but um and and i and i think some of those uh sort of side discussions could um in, including the sort of discussion about vitriol could make for some uh interesting uh show ideas <laughs> down the line as well so i'll, I'll make note of that um you love us <laughs> well something's and, got and, and ideas here right and i'm yeah i'm glad we finally put to rest that for this podcast games are now art we have done it everyone <laughs> yes. we, have, we, have <laughs> we answered it uh well as i mentioned at the top um our twitter feed is simply at enthusiasts if you want to follow us there uh youtube channel where you can follow our video content and streaming is uh, simply channel enthusiasts i actually think we're streaming something as we speak <laughs> um uh, we have a forum up on the right-hand side of enthusiasts.com if you want to sign in there and join in the various discussions going on there. Um, our email address for this podcast is pointstreak at enthusiasts.com if you have any questions, feedback, or show suggestions. Uh, thanks again to my selection of guests, uh, Tony, Vernon, Ed, and Goose. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all on the next episode of Point Streak. Thank you, guys. Thanks. See you. Good day. Thank you.